This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. everyone welcome back to massive late fee my name is mark with me as always is my co-host mike how you doing mike not too bad how about you good we've had a good week here we uh the body count podcast is back from hiatus they're one of our newer additions to the network we are also going on a little push finding some more podcasts but we are settling in and got a lot of great shows on the network check that out at MSC Network on Twitter. I don't. I. I, I never know what to do for these uh, openings. We talk about. I, I did this on Retro Late Feet too. I'm really bad at opening the show, but we talk about movies and TV. If this is your first time here, we cover mostly Netflix and Amazon streaming stuff, as well as some other things when it's important. The news. This week, though, the big news, of course, in the entertainment world, the entertainment world has come to a halt for something that you don't care anything about, Mike, and that is Avengers Endgame. You're right. I don't care about that at all. Have you even seen a trailer for it? I think I did. I can't remember why. Oh, I, it was on Frankenstein's uh, lab. They oh, okay. were uh, watching the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, in this movie, and I haven't seen it yet, so this isn't spoilers, it's speculation, but apparently in this movie, Captain America will probably die, I imagine. It's also Robert Downey Jr.'s last film, so something's going to happen with Iron Man. Man. Either he's going to die or walk off into the sunset with Gwyneth Paltrow, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that is the big news this week as far as entertainment goes. Movie comes out on Friday uh, or Thursday at midnight. I might have a chance to see it early, and if I do, there might be something up on the channel on Thursday, the day that this comes out. So there might be a bonus episode today, since you're listening in the future, or perhaps Friday. But we'll see. The other, uh, well, it's not big news, but the other news that I found was that they're making a remake of Salem's Lot. The Stephen, the lots of Stephen King remakes. It's it's the new rage now, and they're remaking Salem's Lot. James Wan is going to produce but not direct. Have you did you have you seen the original Salem's Lot with David Soul from I think. No, I, I... I haven't seen the original. I didn't read that book either. Um, I, I heard the movie was decent, but I could be completely... I, I haven't seen it at all myself. Not even like one bit of... It's a pretty good adaptation, I will say. I liked it. It's And Salem's Lot's another one of those easier books to adapt for the screen. And I think they did a, a good job with the one in the 70s. It's, it was sort of the early 80s. Sort of a classic of horror from that time period actually like a underrated classic but it's definitely a good one I I fear that with this one it will be a lot of over the top kind of action and and jump scary I don't know I'm 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 hesitant upon this especially with 
with James Wan. I assume that that the vampires will be precipitated by some sort of uh, possessed doll, <laughs> since James Wan seems to have some sort of fear of dolls. Um, I think I only read like two pages of the book, but it was like an old, old like uh, journal. And now, now that I think about it, that probably wasn't much of the book at all. So I probably should have just read through that part. I think you might be talking about Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's lot. Jerusalem's lot, the short story. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, maybe I didn't read any of Salem's lot then. I thought I, th- I don't know. They're related somewhat. The the story takes place a long time ago. It's more of a HP Lovecraft sort of homage story, but they're, they're related in the fact that what happens there sort of is part of why what happens in Salem's lot actually happens. But, um, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't it have been great if us, you know, like certain authors, like, uh, one of my favorite authors is John Sanford mm-hmm. and he like, he writes like a series of mystery novels, but they all have the word prey in the title. Okay. What if uh, Stephen King had to do the same thing with the word lot? <laughs> it's like you'd call uh, Cujo rabies a lot. <laughs> okay, well, the stand could be a sick a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, that would be. I would. That we should do that sometime. We'll go through it all. Could Stephen be uh, King's clowns books. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're teenage gangbang a lot, but I probably go with clowns rather than that. Right? Yeah the uh, the inf- that's an infamous scene that I have no idea. I I understand that writers aren't what they write, although you know obviously there's a piece of every writer in what they write, but I can't even imagine writing <laughs> that scene. Oh, what the hell was going through his head? I know he was uh, heavily like on cocaine at the time. That's my only guess as to why that's in there. Like he, I think it's is it Cujo. He says he just completely does not remember writing at all. Yeah, he was like drunk and uh, on cocaine a lot. Yeah, that's the maybe, one. That, maybe that scene. He's like, like you know how like in the the dark half is sort of about like his dual you know personality with um, Richard Bachman. Mm-hmm. What if that was like his version of like George Stark, the uh, the weirdo who writes like like he wrote that scene. He wrote that weird random sex scene in Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Like whatever, there's like a completely weird, random scene, and there's a lot of them in his stuff. Uh, like the whole uh, uh, the turtle thing, and uh, it was kind of weird too. Like it's like, oh, it's an alien somehow. So yeah, it's there's, all from him. There's a lot of weird. There's a lot of weird stuff in 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 it. When you yeah, it alone is a very odd book. Mm-hmm. It might be his strangest, really. Even though um, actually, the Dark Tower drew from a lot of stuff. It wasn't. It, I don't think it ever got really nearly as weird as the book it did. No, I agree. I think I think that it is that that was the first time I'm trying to remember the trying to remember his bibliography what came before that, but I'm pretty sure that was the first time that he really kind of broke into that sort of really strange ground other than just normal horror type stuff. I was say it wasn't Firestarter before this, but Firestarter was like his second book, wasn't it? No, actually, Salem's Lot was his second book. I think Firestarter oh, yeah, right. was Firestarter was after Christine. Because uh, Drew uh, Barrymore was like what, probably not that old in the movie, and the movie was like mid eighties, I think. At least yeah. that's the way it looked with a uh, varnish head and the rest of the uh, terrible effects. 
<laughs> Great inside joke with varnish head. Oh. oh, I love it. I don't think that's very inside to anybody who's ever seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. The you'll guy, know who we mean yeah. right away. If you watch the movie, you'll know exactly what we're talking about when we say varnish head. But uh, anyway, so we will move on because I really don't have any other news, but we will move on to Game of Thrones. Uh, the second episode came out on Sunday. I watched it. Mike watched it. I am I am pretty close to caught up. Lots of lots of really interesting things. I, I don't want to go way into the backstory, but Red Wedding. Uh, that was <laughs> crazy as shit. Because <laughs> that's season three, and I I moved on to season three. You're, you're like someone who just like got into like Nine Inch Nails or like a band you've like loved for years. Like, yeah, I, I do all about uh, the Downward Spiral. <laughs> like, oh, it, it was awesome. Like, yeah. What about Hodor? When we find when we find out how why he says that all the time. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. I hope that's not in the books. Um, what else was I? Uh, so anyway, the 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 episode season season eight episode two. I'll give you my Mike. You can talk more in detail about this. I'm sure because you know more of the backstory still than I do. But I to me, You're like that Jamie Lannister guy is no good. What's <laughs> what? To me, no, he's good now. No, no, no. He just threw a kid out a window. <laughs> To me, this episode seemed like a calm before the storm. It was more of a subdued episode, I think. And a lot of, uh, you know, gallows-type humor, revelry. Uh, Obviously, we get the horn at the end. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of how I I saw this as sort of, like I said, like a calm before the storm. The, the stuff with Jon Snow and uh, uh, Daenerys, that was um, that was pretty interesting. By the way, you know, we fucked a bunch of times. I'm your nephew. Yeah, well, that's, oddly enough, to the Targaryens, that's not especially strange. Yeah, well, I, I love... Like, they're well-known for their inbreeding. I loved the first thing that she says is, well, if that's true, then you have a claim to the throne, too. Yeah, I think uh, what they're doing with uh, Daenerys' character is really interesting because what's odd is uh, they, they've played her the same way the entire time. Like, she's always, like, this ruthless, like, you know, petulant child in a sense where she wants what she wants and she doesn't care what the, you know, she doesn't care what the consequences are. I mean, she's done this whole time, but most of it was over on the other side of the uh, the great, I can't remember what the sea's called, but the the sea that, uh, you know, disconnects uh, Westeros from uh, Marine and all those other cities. Yeah. Like, she's been the exact same. She's happened to be in a different country. But now that she's over in Westeros, it's like, oh, wait, that's really not how you're supposed to behave. It's kind of an interesting uh, mental thing they're doing with the with the audience. I mean, does the audience identify with her because they're in, like, a weird kind of foreign land? I mean, I mean, but it's not okay when it's uh, back, you know, back, quote-unquote, home in Westeros. It's kind of interesting. It's like, um, it's, it's just like, you know, using that, like, kind of like a way of, like, it's like, okay, well, it's, she's been the same. But now that she's doing it over here where you... To consider these people to be more civilized. It, it's not okay. I mean, it's just an interesting thing they're doing with that. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. And you know, it's funny because I do at times find myself rooting for her. I like where I am in the series and everything. I mean, you know, it's fresh in my mind her freeing all the uh, the slave cities 
and stuff like that. I mean, that was that was kind of nice. I mean, even though she was doing it to get an army, but still, it was sure. it was there. There are things that are what I like about all these characters is that they most of them anyway, especially the 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 big cast of major ones don't really fall into caricature too much. Kind of like you were talking about with with Jamie Lannister, where you know they they start out and it's like he's a uh, he's a bad guy, but then you know he gets broken down and built back up and he there are better sides of his nature that end up starting to come through it's the same with there's no i mean aside from a few aside from fucking joffrey there's no uh there's no like just pure villains really you can and even he like it's like they explain i think they explain in the show as well it's like he was essentially born that way because he's you know his father beat him repeatedly when he was even younger. He like cut a cat open to see if it would have kittens. I mean, it was just weird, like a long history of psychopathic behavior on his part. You know, it's it's kind of realistic in a sense. There are definitely people like yeah, absolutely, and yeah, it's that's what I like. The characters are very richly drawn and three dimensional. There's there's very few stock characters or just fill in characters, but uh, so. Now, if I have this correctly, basically... The Starks are from the north. <laughs> basically, the, the, they're about to fight the White Walkers, and obviously they're going to want to, to kill the, the king, because if they do that, then all of the ones he created will also die, which they, they found out. And... So they're going to, they're obviously, they're going to have a big battle. And I assume that's going to happen next episode. And Cersei is waiting for all of them to be torn apart, basically, by the White Walkers. And whoever's left, she's going to use... Which isn't a bad plan, but how messed up is that, that you know they're actually real? Like, this whole, your whole life you thought they were, like, rumors. But, oh, wait, they're actually real. And they're going to kill every single person in the North. Uh, Let's see how it plays out. Exactly. And like I like that like you said it's not it's not really a bad plan if if your plan is to take over power but I how are you so confident that they'll destroy like what if the white walkers just came and ran over them I think she's fine with that too because she'll have one less enemy to deal with because she doesn't understand that she couldn't even be subtle for a moment if she wanted to Right that is like true. She just doesn't have the ability to be subtle at all at any point, which is kind of interesting. She's almost like a child that never quite, you know, grew up. Yeah, she's she's another one that's that doesn't have a lot of redeeming characteristics. But I mean, she is a, say what you will, she's a very caring mother. Yeah, that's true. What did you think of some of the love stories besides Jon Snow and uh, uh, Daenerys in in this um, in this episode? Eh, I mean, whatever. I mean, the Gendry and Arya thing, they basically only set up, like, last episode. Like, some people be like, oh, they had a crush on each other forever. No, they really did not have that relationship when seen before at all. It was only in this episode. Like, oh, we're growing up now, and, oh, I find you attractive. So it's not like this person she's been in love with for, like, eight years. It's like some guy's like, oh, I used to, I used to, I used to know you, and you're attractive. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, do this before the, the big fight. You see, that's the thing. Everyone on Twitter and Facebook and things like that, they're all reacting to this this big oh i'm not i wasn't ready for this and like like this is some big thing and maybe it's because i'm going through this more quickly or whatever but i totally agree 
with what you're saying, it, this that love story to me is not built up. I mean, she sp- it's two episodes old. She spent way more time with the the, the hound or whatever his name is than uh, than this dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's whatever. I mean, I'm not too upset by it. I mean, I don't. I mean, I know people are like, oh my god, they're she's a. Ba-. I mean, the she's like 22 or something like that. You know, do what you want. I don't really care. I mean, it didn't add anything to the show for me. It was just like, yeah, whatever. I'll go get something to drink while this is going. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The none of them really, none of the love stories really grab me. I guess if there's one. If there's one downside, or not downside, but one like chink in the armor, so to speak, of this, it's that I'm not super invested in any of the love stories, really. But there's so much else going on that I really don't know that they could take the time to develop a lot of super serious relationships and do all the other stuff that they need to do. So I oh, think... uh, actually, I'm sorry, before we move, I, I, that reminds me of uh, something I read on Twitter. It was pretty funny. There's an author I follow, uh, Scott Sigler. Mm-hmm. He made a really good point. Um, Jenry is like in Arya's castle. You know, she's like, the her sister is the lord of the entire castle. You know, he works for them and she's clearly in a position of power over him. Is this not sexual harassment or is this sexual harassment? <laughs> I mean, Jenry couldn't say no. I mean, if he said no, I mean, she's a trained assassin and he made her a weapon that's Valyrian steel. What, he's going to tell her now? Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. <laughs> oh, so looking forward to next episode. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you've had like the, the pleasure of watching all like the big battle episodes. Like The biggest one was probably the uh, Battle of the Bastards, which I think was season six. Did yeah. you get a chance to see that one yet? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's like an amazing episode. But basically, before they have any big battle on the show, it's like you know, almost like the ser- it's like people like are trained at this point to be like you know expect the next episode to be like a huge fight because you know they always do that. Like it's oh they set it up really dramatically and you know take a little bit more time than they need in my opinion. But I mean, and then like you just know the next episode and by the previews there will be the battle next episode. Hopefully, it won't like cut to Cersei or Castle. You know, like when the fighting begins because it'll be annoying. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, but, should, I'm really looking forward to this. It should be pretty sweet. Um, I don't. I, have you gone into a, like spoiler slash theories on this? No, actually, I haven't read any theories or, or any spoilers. Well, spoiler slash theory alert. Okay. Um, yeah, I read one that was kind of interesting. If you, it makes a good point that when you see the uh, when you see the White Walkers at the uh, at the end of the scene, you don't see the Night King. So some people think that while this is happening, he's going to fly on the dragon to. Uh, King's Landing and just like start killing people left and right there, like as a distraction. Well, that's that's an interesting theory. Yeah, just because he's not seen there, I mean, he does have the dragon, which I I mean, that'd be kind of interesting to do it that way. Yeah, that was that was nuts too when he killed uh, Vi- the one that starts Viserion. The Viserion, yeah, yeah, and uh, and it turned into a ice dragon. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, I feel like. Sometimes talking about Game of Thrones, I feel like Chris Farley's character from Saturday Night Live. Remember, remember, remember when the Night King <laughs> killed Viserion and he became an ice dragon? That was sweet. <laughs> That'd be great if he was still around just for that. No kidding. But or in general, yeah. But that is Game of Thrones talk. Do you have anything else to add? Um. 
Not especially. I mean, just I'm glad that there's a lot of nice moments in this uh, episode to reward the uh, long watching, you know, fans, not like those people who just rushed ahead to watch the whole thing in like a month or so, you know, the people who were there from the beginning. Mm. <laughs> you know, those people. <laughs> no, but it was like, there was like a scene where um, Samuel and uh, John and uh, I can't remember, they get Ed are like all standing there, like t- having a conversation, you know, when like, you know, one of the earlier episodes, they were all like there, you know, as like new recruits. It's just interesting to see, like, wow, it's been like, you know, eight seasons. There really has been a lot of stuff going on with all the characters. Oh, yeah. I like when Jamie was talking about all the things that he had done and everything, and Bran says to him, the things we do for love. Yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was hilarious. And that was a real, that was a, like, that's, that's a, a really good way to do a callback. Yeah, there's some like uh, there's some fun scenes too with like Sansa and uh, Daenerys when you know obviously Sansa's bucking up against her and like Daenerys just uh, didn't expect that at all. She just assumes everyone will just like worship her and recognize her as being like you know the leader or the most qualified just because you know for eight years she's wanted to be the queen, so suddenly she should be the queen of uh, all of uh, Westeros. Right. When it's uh, kind of funny because like they they're the Targaryens aren't even the original rulers. They've only been there for like three hundred years. They just came as conquerors and like they think they they deserve to be the rulers. So it just doesn't make any sense. It's like you repel an invader and then they come like one of their members comes back and you're gonna you're like oh, okay right <laughs> oh yeah you oh guys, yeah I forgot you guys conquered us before so it's it's yours. Yeah, we went back to, uh, you know, having seven independent kingdoms that uh, worked as a uh, loosely associated republic that was beneficial for everyone. But, yeah, if you just want to be a monarchy, and that's cool. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, we will. Um, I am very much looking forward to the next podcast and the next Game of Thrones episode. I think it's going to be, I, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's going to be. I'm sure they've pulled out all the stops for this. Who's your? Uh, yeah, it, it's. I think they they claim this episode is like has like the budget of like some Hollywood movies. Oh yeah, I can imagine. It's like like twenty million dollar budget for this episode or something. I could be way off, but it's. I think it was like some crazy number like that. Who's uh, your favorite character? So far, oh, it's hard. Um, I mean, I like Tyrion Lannister. Obviously. I, think, I think Tyrion's just like a. He's he's easily like the best character on the show. I don't think there's any doubting that. So I think it's just. You know, given that he's everyone's favorite character, so I just, I just really am asking about your next favorite character because I mean, Peter Dinklage is just like so good in this show; it's oh, ridiculous. Absolutely, he is great, and um, I love how this episode he got to, you know, he connected with like he was like the only person wise enough to realize like, oh, I should talk to Bron. Yeah. Did you catch like, their, all, like after he talked to Bron, like they have that meeting where they're all like, oh, we're gonna die. He's like, yeah, we might survive. <laughs> so I mean, that's kind of. I mean, I don't. I, I, I would be shocked if every character survived. I mean. Oh, I can too. see people like, you know, Tormund, like, you know, saving Brienne at the last minute and, you know, dying in the process. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like, I mean, even like someone like I would say like Sam or Gendry getting killed. I mean, it's not, I don't think they're really essential to the story. At this. Point. Yeah, I agree. If, uh, however, if uh, Davos uh, Seaworth uh, is killed, I will stop watching the show for five seconds in protest because <laughs> he's my favorite character by far. Um. Yeah, I like him a lot too. Uh, I, you know, I... I honestly, I kind of like Jamie. There's, yeah. there's something about him that I think is it. I like his redemption. Yeah, he's story. A really, yeah, his his whole like uh you know character arc is really interesting. Like he like basically like his entirety was like destroyed when his hand was cut off because that's all he ever. 
thought of himself as like you know a, a hired you know killer like you know doing his father's will just like a knight and then like he basically just like created himself from the ground up and he switched hands and it was just like he, he i mean yeah i mean i don't think that the guy nicholas i, I couldn't even tell you his last name is just like casual wardle or something like that mm-hmm. like he he he's he's actually i don't i think it's really under uh underappreciated how how you know well he's done acting in the show he's done a great job i mean if you look at the very first episode in the most recent episode, you wouldn't even know that it was the same character, you know. Because yeah. in, as uh, my wife pointed out, I guess uh, like the the less loyal they are to like Cersei and stuff, the darker their hair gets. And if you notice, Jamie and um, Tyrion both have pretty dark hair at this point. Oh yeah, that's that's a really good that's a good eye. That's that's a really good uh, detail notice. Yeah, it's just yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. So. Uh... It's nice to, to have that. you to talk about it with too, because yeah, I've read I've read the books and I've listened to them a couple of times, so I'm pretty well. I mean, obviously the books have ended at a certain point, you know. I mean, a lot of this is like logical progression from it, I guess. I mean, it doesn't seem out of the ordinary though. Some stuff just like surprised me, like when um um Stannis like his daughter, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, I think they claim that's in the book. I'm like, yikes! I did not because like in the where it's at in the books right now, I just do not see it going that way at all. Interesting. Like the book had ended where they're in that big like blizzard and they need they're talking about making a blood sacrifice. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but we will move on to culture vultures. Uh Mike, what do you want to rant about this week? You know, I kind of forgot about the segment, so I didn't uh, come up with anything. You want to rant about Avengers Endgame for a minute? No, I just uh, think it's uh, sad that so much money was put into a, such a, a piece of shit movie and like 21 <laughs> other piece of shit movies. I mean, think what you could have done with this. I mean, you could have done so much good for society. That's true. That's true. If everyone, and if everyone had pledged $10 that went to see uh, all the Avengers movie, could could yeah, we have solved $10. world hunger? Okay, that was a... Uh, those kids in Africa need some money, but uh, Robert Downey Jr. needs a Ferrari too. Right, that's okay. They'll get uh, they'll get knockoff Avengers T-shirts to wear. Yeah, they'll get the Mavinger uh, misprints. Exactly. Oh, oh, the Avengers. Yeah, just think of all the money that's been you know just used to make them, to promote them, to watch them. I mean, that you could have actually done a lot of good instead of just made some complete piece of shit movies. That's true. Although I do like the movies, but that but that is uh, that's definitely true. They could have done a lot of good in the world, and they're failing. But anyway, yep. we will move on to celebrity discs. This is where we contact someone on Twitter uh, that's relevant to what we're talking about and get rejected by them as we ask them to be on the show. So this week we are covering Narcos and. Narcos. I I I chose Pedro Pascal. Now I'll explain why I didn't go with someone someone a little less famous as you suggested uh, in the this first tweet. So I say to Pedro Pascal, "So glad I found you, man. My co-host thinks we should aim lower for celebrity guests, but guess what? None of your co-stars on Narcos has Twitter. I couldn't find anyone else." I looked for all of them, and no one has Twitter. So I'm forced to aim big again. We Louis would... Gomez doesn't have Twitter? That's weird. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Whoa, who? 
Uh, he plays one of the other uh, dealers. Uh, shit, I can't remember his name in the show. Maybe he's not in the first episode. Well, I will say this, not to be racist, because I this is I don't mean this in a racist way, but I'm gonna go get a drink real quick. Keep talking. <laughs> but the I could find some other ones, some other actors that had Twitter, but most of them it was completely written in Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish. So I felt uncomfortable trying to, like, I didn't want to write a bunch of English on their Twitter as like a bit and like kind of ruin the the conversations that they were having with each other in in Spanish. I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to be that fly in the ointment. So I decided, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. That's fair. But anyway, so uh, so I said, so I'm forced to aim big again. We would love to have you on our podcast. We're talking Narcos this week. Pretty generic. Uh, I decided from here, and and 50 people saw that. No likes, no retweets. Uh, I decided from there to basically, well, to basically just to basically just assume he was coming on the show. So another, and by the way, all of these are one minute apart. All these ones that I'm that I'm. I think you might get arrested for this uh, segment of the show at some point, Mark. We would very much appreciate a little bit of your time. Just a quick phone call is is all it is. And that had uh, 32 views. No likes, no retweets. Uh, Or Skype if you have it. Honestly, Discord is best, but I don't know how popular that is. I mean, I know gamers use it, but I don't know. Are you a gamer by chance? Uh, No answer to that question, and 49 people saw that. No likes likes or retweets to any of this. Uh, the more I think about it, Discord is the way to go. It's free to download. Wait, do you have a microphone attached to your computer? Look who I'm asking. You're the star of Narcos. You absolutely have a microphone for your computer. My apologies. Uh, 42 people saw that. So then I said, so all you have to do is download Discord, install it, unless you're a gamer and you already have it, attach your microphone, please buy one if for some strange reason you don't have one, and friend me on Discord, and then I give him my Discord name. Then we will call you. Uh, 44 people saw that. It's pretty consistent, so I'm thinking it's the same 44 people. We usually record on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We could arrange it, or we could rearrange it if that doesn't work for you. Next tweet. Tuesday at 9 really is the best time, though. Thanks so much for doing this. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to talk Narcos with you. Then I said, I just realized I've been really rude going on about how my great podcast that you're going to join us on. How are you? No answer to that question. How many views? Uh, oh, let's see uh, if, if we're going down here. 37 views. Down a little bit. I also In a row? <laughs> yeah. I also... I also noticed that that he he talked about the Mueller report a lot, and he seems to be pretty liberal. So I said, that Mueller report, man, I just finished reading it, which is not a bit, actually. I did read it. That does, that does not paint a very good picture of Trump, does it? Seems to me that Mueller walked right up to the indictment line and then said, okay, Congress, you finish this up. Do you think that was naive of him uh, to think that Congress would actually act? I think that hyperpartisanship is severely hurting our political system. Not to get too heavy, but we could also discuss this a bit on the podcast. It's going to be so awesome to have you on. I I figured maybe <laughs> maybe appe- these, these tweets get really weird. <laughs> I figured maybe appealing to something that he liked would uh, would get him, but no, it didn't. Just remember, 
Download Discord, Mike, friend me, 9 p.m. on Tuesday. Some great Narcos talk and maybe a brief chat about the Mueller report. Uh, Then I said, we're also going to discuss Game of Thrones. If you want, you can join in or you could just sit silently at your computer for that part if you're not a fan. Anyway. You know he was on the show, right? Oh, he was? Yeah, he's a Red Viper. Oh, shit, that's right. Okay, well, I, I guess he would have wanted to talk about it then. So I thought you were going to say, like, you can sit there in silence as your character did. Anyway, can't wait to have you on. I look forward to the Discord friend request. And then I put a gift of uh, Tom Hanks from the movie Big waving right before he turns back to small again. And it says T period Hanks. And when he puts his hand up, it covers the period. So it just looks like thanks. Which... See, I think that's where you lost him. Because uh, you, you you clearly aren't a fan since you didn't know he was on the show. Yeah, that probably... that probably. I mean, you're just not a huge, at least a deep fan of uh, Pedro Pascal, at least. I will say this. 57 people saw that. 13 people watched the media. And there were two engagements. What the hell is an engagement anyways? I don't know. I don't know if they clicked on it or the GIF or what. Because it wasn't a like or a retweet. How can, you, how can you watch it and not engage with it? I don't know. I guess we'll have to. I guess we'll have to at the uh, creator of Twitter and see if he'll come on Jack the show to explain that. Jack Dorsey, you were on Joe Rogan, could not come on Massively Feed. Right. We got some fucking questions for you. Oh, one word to the wise when you download Discord to be on our podcast. I've heard that when you first join, it asks you either to join a server or create a server. Just make one of your own. You can use it for gaming. For the podcast, we'll use our own server, though. I wasn't willing to use his server. This is a whole tutorial now. Uh, Let's see. And then I did a bunch of actual tweeting. (laughs) I gotta go through that. I actually promoted Retro Late Fee in the middle of harassing or borderline harassing for legal purposes, a joke for Pedro Pascal. All right. Where did I pick? I'm in the legal field and I think you're on sketchy ground here, my friend. Uh, Okay. So this was the next day, actually. Hello, sir. So I'm still waiting for your Skype number or your discord friend request. Again, discord preferred. I know all the listeners are really excited for you to be on the show. We're talking narcos and they expect you to be there. So now I'm kind of hitting them with a guilt trip. Uh, two people saw that. Do we have a legal team we could consult on this segment? So I don't know if he was one of the two people that saw it. And then just now, I said, Dear Mr. Pascal, I'm writing to inform you that you have broken an implicit contract, parentheses, because you never said no, end parentheses, so you should pledge to be on the Massive Late Fee podcast at some point in the future as they are covering Narcos every week, which is what we plan to do. Two people saw that. No word on whether or not that's the same two people that saw the last tweet, but I can only assume it's him and his wife. She's a... She, <laughs> what? <laughs> He's like his wife just follows his Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You could only follow me. <laughs> so, uh, Pedro Pascal, if you're listening, that uh, you and that wife of yours. That was our pledge. Uh, you, you, you really. That, by the way, that was written by our lawyer. That last tweet. So, 
I guess you're going to have to be on the show next week. I don't know if I should continue to to write to him. I, I would suggest that you don't continue writing to him on Twitter. Maybe I'll find someone from Game of Thrones. Maybe I'll maybe I'll add yeah, Peter Tinklage. Um, I follow the guy who played Hodor. He's pretty cool. He's like a DJ and stuff. Oh, okay. He, he often seems to respond to. Oh, good. I'll, I'll try him. Oh, but that is Celebrity Disc. Again, we weren't blocked, so that was good. Uh, we, we didn't get any cease or desist letters, and <laughs> but we also didn't get the guests. So one of these days, I have a feeling if we keep doing this, we will probably never get a guest. But <laughs> I, the, it, optimist be me, guess. the optimist in me thinks that one day we'll get somebody to agree to come on. Just for five minutes, that's all. Yeah, just a little chat. So, now we will move on to Keeping Current. Mike, what online publication are we going to troll today for the headlines that we know nothing about? See, this is a... uh, I wasn't sure if this... I don't know if this is still around as a magazine, but I remember always seeing on the shelf a Tiger Beat when I was a young lad. Yes! I don't know if it's still around as a magazine either, but yeah, I do yeah they they have a website. I I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just a website at this point. I'm really not sure. Oh, it's on your iPhone too, so it's an app as well. At the very least, a Tiger Beat app, great. Yep. Today we're gonna hit the TV Tribune, as it's called. Okay. Scrolling. I would like to note that uh, when you go on TigerBeat.com, instead of an arrow, your cursor turns into a. Uh, like a skeleton key for some reason? That's really weird. <laughs> Is, was Tiger Beat associated with haunted houses or something? I don't know. Maybe they are. Uh, That'd be a really good URL to have when uh, Tiger Woods got into trouble with his wife. <laughs> or you just have it. Really, if you just made it a blog about Tiger Woods, you know, that'd probably be like a, more, a better idea than this, I would think. I, I think it'd be more hit. So. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Tiger Beat Magazine. Okay. TV Tribune. Indiana Masara touches on the power of songwriting. I have no idea who that is. Indiana Masara? Yeah, she's like some girl, like, I don't know, in her late teens, maybe early 20s. Is she related to Indiana Jones? I feel that she is not. Okay. Oh, wait, hold on. You know, she might not even be like a singer or something. Oh, let me read this first sentence. I'm, I'm not going to get too hard of this. I'm already getting angry just reading it. Uh, songwriting and song creation has really become a form of secret therapy for me. Secret therapy? You're fucking writing the words out, aren't you? And you're singing them aloud to other people? Right. What, it, part about, what, what part about that is secret? Seems pretty public. I mean, your songs are a secret to me because I've never heard them, but I don't think that's what you meant. Okay, so Indiana Masara is a pop singer. A pop singer who released her hit single, Drama, in July 2017 on JJJ. What is JJJ? I know what JJ is, but not uh, JJJ. (laughs) She joined the cast of the popular web series Chicken Girls as Rooney in 2017. Never heard of that. This just just brings up more questions. What is Chicken Girls? 
It's you've ever heard of the popular uh, Chicken Girls uh, web series? Is that is that a web series where they're all dressed as chickens? What uh, what website is it on? Is it on Tiger Beat? <laughs> no, this is famousbirthdays.com. Oh, okay. Where is there's her IMDb? Where is her Wikipedia? Doesn't she is she maybe she's too young to have a Wikipedia? Because she looks factor. She looks like she's about sixteen. No, I know. Uh, no, uh, she doesn't have a Wikipedia for some reason, or at least I can't okay. find it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, popping bottles over there. Um, so uh, I don't. Oh, know. my chair. My chair is loud. Sorry. That's okay. She's sixteen years old. Uh, she has nine hundred <laughs> trivia. She has nine hundred and fifty thousand followers on her Indiana Instagram account. Okay, that's where they put those numbers in a Wikipedia now. Like you know, they put like Twitter followers sometimes too. Well, that is weird. Uh, she was born in Australia, I guess. Her full name is Indiana Marie Ella Massara. Apparently, she her real name is Indiana for some reason. So she, so the big story there is she doesn't use both of her middle names. I mean, come on, right? She's not a serial killer. Why would she use a middle name in there? All right, let's see what Chicken Girls is. Uh, I wonder if this is an Australian show. Chicken Girls. This. What we should do for this segment is I should tell you the website I'm going to go to at a time, but not go to it. Okay. And then you can do some research if you want to. Yeah, I don't want to do. Sound like you know what you're talking about. Like, oh, Chicken Girls. You've never seen Chicken Girls? Chicken Girls is an American web series starring Annie LeBlanc. The series is produced by Brat and premiered on September 5th, 2017. I Where can you see it, though? There's 37 episodes. I want to know if this Indiana Masari lady speaks with an Australian accent or an American accent in this uh, web series. Yeah, and does she sing with a... Uh, oh, there... One of the episodes is called Fly, Flew the Coop. That's hilarious. A little inside, I know. The first the first four episodes are titled Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then Halloween, then Next Crush. Wow, this looks right up my alley. I don't... It doesn't say... Let's, show was first announced via Variety on August 21st. Second I, uh... season premiered... February 14th, 2018, but it doesn't tell me anything about the show at all. I feel that if you keep doing further research into this uh, show, you'll be on a list somewhere. Oh, here we go. The the synopsis. The ensemble story follows a group of dancers known by their pet name, the Chicken Girls. Okay, is their dance troupe named the Chicken Girls, or is this a pet name that they were given? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And if I, you were, if you, they have a movie too, Chicken Girls the wow. movie. If, is that also by Brett? Yes. <laughs> if you, if you were in a dance group, and you were a girl, or even a guy, and it was Chicken Guys, would you, would you take the the title Chicken Girls or Chicken Guys as an insult or or a compliment? I really don't know. I don't understand what that means in the context. I know what a chicken head is, but, but I, <laughs> I would definitely not want to be called that. I don't. I don't assume that a bunch of sixteen-year-old girls are being called chicken heads. That'd be a completely different show. Hey, chicken heads! Uh, apparently, Brett is on YouTube because that comes up. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, here, here we go. Chicken Girls, season one, episode one, Monday. There's a little, little taste of just, the preview. Just watch it enough to see if she has an accent. You want me to actually? Okay, well, we're going to watch this live on the air. I want to see. Wait, this is a very pressing I question. I don't know if, I don't know which, I don't know which one she is. Oh, that's, that's, uh, I don't know. Did you see a picture of her? Yeah, but I mean, they all look the same. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, whatever. All right, let's see. Oh, you're so pretentious and defensive. Yeah, you own news. All right, I feel we'll get sued if we play too much of that. Yeah, I think I think we're not supposed to play that if we want to be on YouTube. But let's see. I don't really need you. Uh, that sounds like, or that looks like her. So it looks like no, she does not. At least she does not sing with an Australian accent. Very nice. Our next uh, story on TV Tribune. Yeah. Storm Reed accepts adorable promposal from Yara Shahidi's brother, Saeed. <laughs> that just sounds like a bunch of syllables. Yeah, I, it's just like a bunch of words. I don't know what any, I know what a promposal is. Unfortunately, I do too. I don't know who Storm Reed is. or uh, That sounds like a, uh, even though it looks like it's a young lady, sounds like the uh, villain in a uh, Nazi movie, Storm Reed. <laughs> right. Or the worst weatherman on your local news. Uh, let's see. Storm Reed, born July 1st, 2003. Fuck, I feel old. She's 15. Is an American... Is an American... Oh, yeah, yeah. Is an American actress. She portrayed one of the lead roles, along with Oprah Winfrey, Meg Murray, in the fantasy A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, okay. okay. She's that girl yeah, yeah, yeah. from A Wrinkle in yeah. Time. That's what I should have said. I mean, I would have known who it was then. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who Yara Shahidi, but apparently she accepted the promposal. Nice. So she's going to prom with Yara Shahidi, uh, who's also another girl. So I guess. No, Yara Shahidi's brother, Saeed. Oh, Saeed. Okay. Yes. Uh, her brother, Saeed, is 32 years old. Are you serious? No, I'm just joking. I was just saying, oh my God. Yeah. I don't think that's an adorable proposal at all. <laughs> you couldn't make that adorable. Yara Sahidi is 19, and she's from Minneapolis, Minnesota. She went to Harvard, or she's going to Harvard University, went to Harvard University. Saeed. Okay, here we go. Let's see if this, let's see if this dude, oh, he looks very young. He's also an actor, too. Uh, he is 16. Okay. He was born on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2003, from St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, he was yeah. on, let's see. Oh, he was, uh... Chicken uh, heads? No. <laughs> I'm just going to call that show Chicken Heads from now on. He, he was in the reboot of the television show Uncle Buck. He played the... What? Yeah, they did. In 2016, they did a reboot of Uncle Buck, and he played the Macaulay Culkin character. I, what? Why? Why Why would they... I think... Uh, sorry, there's so much wrong with that that I can't even begin to speak about. Oh, he was in a, a show that I watched called The Event. Yeah, I remember. He was super oh. young, too. And, I mean, it's just... Oh, sorry, but why... 
Uncle Buck is like a classic movie, but a classic movie in the sense that it's very unique to its time. Mm-hmm. You could not possibly remake the movie. I mean, why not just call it fucking Uncle Watch's Family or something like that? There's, there, <laughs> right. there's, there's no have any connection whatsoever with Uncle Buck. Is John Candy in it? Oh, no, he's probably not. Macaulay Culkin? I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, it, it would and, uh, be John, quite a story if John Candy was in it. Say that John, didn't John Hughes write Uncle Buck? He's, yeah. he's not around fucking writing. Why even associate it with that? I'll tell you. you. That does nothing. There's nothing good to come of that. I'm not going to watch. I'm like, oh, I, I like Uncle Buck the movie, <laughs> but I need to watch fucking five seasons of that shit. <laughs> Here's our here's our segment culture vultures right here. I uh, I <laughs> I would definitely watch a show called uh, "Fucking Uncle Watches the Kids." <laughs> I mean, what? There's nothing unique about Uncle Buck. Like, oh, this my my uncle is unconventional with his uh, parenting skills. Oh my god, he he was also in. Uh, the movie Alex Cross, the one that starred Tyler did, Perry. Did you ever Alex once Buck? watch Uncle Buck and say, "Man, why, I just, I just need more Uncle Buck"? <laughs> no, 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 I never did. <laughs> no, yeah, he does this every once in a while, but what's he doing every week? That's oh god, oh man, oh that. You know, what's funny is they tried to make it a show already, <laughs> way back in the eighties. And it also failed. Who? Somebody out there just loves Uncle Buck. It's their favorite movie, and they have like way too much power in the entertainment industry. <laughs> Who is this person? I bet we could track them down. <laughs> oh or either that, or they somehow own the rights to Uncle Buck. So they're just constantly shopping it around until like, oh, okay, that was an okay movie. Let's see, Stephen. I mean, I watch it when it's on TV. I wouldn't go rent it. Stephen Craig was the executive producer. Oh, was, it's a fucking series! So you can watch it whenever. <laughs> let's see. Let's see who the executive producer of the other Uncle Buck TV show was. If it's the same guy, I I'm going to lose it. I bet it's Chuck Lorre. Uncle Buck, 1990. Uh, executive producer Richard German. So there, uh, I don't see any, I don't see any Richard German here. Oh wait, Stephen we Craig, need- Stephen Craig, and Richard German are brother-in-laws. <laughs> his wife married his his wife married Stephen Craig. <laughs> you were right. Somebody with too much power in the entertainment industry. It's his favorite movie. Oh, God. I was right. Oh, oh I was so correct about that. Now I want to see who wrote the screenplay. That'll that'll be one of the two, I think. The first the first the first line of the reception uh for Uncle Buck 2016 series. Uncle Buck received generally negative reviews from critics. <laughs> the next line should be, duh. <laughs> no shit. Oh, God. All right, what's story number three? Can you believe we cracked that case? Oh, Uncle Buck. I'll tell you that. I hope that producer is bankrupt now. 
It was the same people. Can I just imagine them sitting in their house, just sitting around on couches? Uncle Buck is the movie's just just finished playing. They look around at each other, knowing smiles on their faces. Like, you know, we we really gotta try to get Uncle Buck back out there. But first we gotta watch that shit again. <laughs> oh my god. Or they're just like having a random conversation, like, hey, are you thinking what I'm thinking? They both simultaneously say, make a Uncle Buck TV series. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Oh, I would rather watch a TV series about them coming up with the idea for an Uncle Buck TV series. And then trying it again, uh, like, 16 years later. Like, they they were so persistent with it. 2025, there's going to be another Uncle Buck reboot. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Oh, I feel that we count some of the gears today. Oh, yeah. Pedro Pascal, you could have been a part of this. He's he's busy reading for Uncle Buck. <laughs> Is that why you couldn't come on our podcast, Pedro? <laughs> Think you're going to be the next Uncle Buck? Oh, you're better than John Candy. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, you and your wife can, uh, can star in Uncle Buck. Uh, no one has ever laughed at Uncle Buck like this, I don't think. Oh, God. Well, I get to give two people. <laughs> oh, God. All right. What's, uh, what's our third story? I don't know at this point. I, uh, I can't go back there at this point. Oh. All right. Well, that's enough. That's enough keeping current with Mike. Oh, okay. So join us next week for more uh, keeping current with Mike. I think that I think that counts as our celebrity crime story too. <laughs> Except there's no celebrities, right? Oh, crime against humanity. Oh, so we are talking about narcos. Do you think they have a generator hooked up to uh, John Candy's grave and how quickly he spins in it will power it and they'll get like free energy for you? <laughs> they just stand over it reading the script. It's 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 how it's how California's been been able to get so energy independent. <laughs> and then the little boy says, Gee, Uncle Buck, I wish you could stay with us. Oh. Uncle Buck says, Well, I got some good news for you, little buddy. But first, let's have some pancakes. Right. What What happens in this TV show? In the movie, he takes over because the parents had to go out of town to a funeral. To the to the wife's dad's funeral. Or mother's funeral. I think it was his dad. But anyway, they went out of town. He was the only person they could get. What happens on the series? Do they die? Do they die in the plane crash on the way back from the funeral? And how far? Weren't they gone for like a week or two? How fucking far away is this funeral? No shit. Oh my god! I guess the farthest. Are they, are they, are they, I mean, it's a John Hughes movie, so are they driving cross country to uh, go to the funeral? And that was going to be the sequel, Uncle Buck Two. The right. funeral. <laughs> it was both a a of National Lampoon's Vacation and uh, and Uncle Buck's sequel. It was a combination. Yep. Because he wrote both those. Oh god! 
But uh, anyway, so this week we are talking Narcos without Pedro Pascal. Thanks a lot, Pedro. Yeah, although, yeah, thanks. Although I'll tell you, your character was in this episode for, I think, literally five seconds of screen time. Yeah. And you yeah. were called an asshole and that's it. Yeah, he, he uh, like I was watching it looking for him the whole time and like a. Uh... So the whole fucking time, I'm not paying as much attention as I should because I'm looking for Pedro Pascal. I'm like, is he even in this one? Because <laughs> like I read like on Wikipedia, he's in every episode. I'm like, I don't see him. It's, and I'm like, oh my god, am I am I racist? Do I not recognize that that's Pedro Pascal? <laughs> Actually, Pedro Pascal was just there was just a decal of him in the corner of the screen on Netflix. <laughs> that's how he appeared on every. It's it's in his contract. Nice. Oh, but so for those of you that don't don't know. And as I said, we cover mostly Netflix stuff, you know, massive late fee, Blockbuster. We can't cover Blockbuster movies anymore. Netflix is the new Blockbuster. So we are going to, we're starting a series where we're going to watch every episode of Narcos and we're going to talk about it every week. Some weeks it'll be the main topic. Some weeks we might not talk about it quite as much if we have another main topic. But at least for the time being, we're going to be talking Game of Thrones and Narcos. This is about the rise of Pablo Escobar as a cocaine trafficker, dealer, drug lord in, uh, not Colombia, Colombia, right? Colombia. Yeah, Colombia. In the late 70s, 1979 is is where it starts, uh, through the 1980s and the DEA team that helped bring him down. So we start with this episode. It's the first episode. It's a very... It's a building episode, obviously, as most pilot episodes are going to be. But we get a lot of background on at least um, Pablo Escobar, Cockroach, and one of the DEA agents and sort of how he came up and, you know, began this this war on drugs. Mike, what did you think of episode one as a whole? Um, I have a... Uh... I've I've been a, like this is this is I can't say this correctly I've been a I've been interested in Pablo Escobar for a while, um you know just like an interesting story like a historical figure that's just like just basically came from nothing and like at one point was on the uh, Forbes top 100 list of the wealthiest men in the world. Mm-hmm. There's always rumors that he used like thirty thousand dollars a month just pay for rubber bands to hold the cash he had, and he was just making you know like I mean he was the biggest benefactor of the the cocaine you know, trade to the United States. He was just making hand, money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. It's like a really fascinating character, just someone who just basically willed themselves to be what they wanted to, not necessarily in a positive way or the way he did it. But I mean, it's just like, like a, like a very special individual in his. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think there are <clears throat> obviously as the show points out uh, at one point he, he killed or was responsible for the deaths of a hundred policemen and obviously killed a bunch of other people. He was clearly ruthless and obviously neither one of us endorse what he did, but I definitely think there's room to talk about the positive because this is based on a real life person. And in, in real life, unlike a lot of fiction, it's not black and white there. Most, most villains or most people that do bad things aren't no one's one thing there's very few 
completely 100% good people, if any, and there's very few completely 100% bad people, if any. And I think one of the scenes that sort of highlighted sort of how smart he was is when he was stopped by those DAS agents, which, as we find out, is the Colombian version of the FBI. And he goes through all of them and says what all of their names are, family members, their their kids, uh, the the one guy who's in charge, his mother, you know, who was in the hospital. Oh, she's out of the hospital, right? Yeah, she's doing well now. Oh, that's good. That's good. And he, you know, he committed all that to memory. Not only did he, was he able to get the information, but he was able to remember all the information, personalize it in a way that, and he comes across as very charismatic in this. Yeah, the actor who plays him is very good. I, I don't know his name. I'll, I'll do better research on that for next time, but he's a, he's a great choice to play, play uh, Pablo Escobar for sure. Absolutely. And yeah, he comes across as very charismatic and very smart in a lot of the scenes and very creative. The, the, the ways he comes up with smuggling the cocaine into, into the United States, into Miami for the most part is uh, very ingenious and, and yeah, I mean, he definitely, he's the type of person that could have been really successful in lots of other legal ventures if, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what Columbia was like at the time. I don't know if those opportunities, I assume from what we see in the show and the little bit I know of, of Colombian history in the late 70s and early 80s, I assume that he probably wasn't afforded opportunities to channel his natural talents to more um to more mainstream things which would have you know, that would have allowed him to make not as much money cuz i don't think there's at that time i don't think there was much that could make more money than the drug trade uh especially right. cocaine in the 1980s but um but at least really, make a you good can amount argue of money. He's like almost like someone like Mark Zuckerberg, who was born at the exact right time in the exact same right spot. You know, I mean, would anyone else have been able to capitalize on that as well as he did? I, I don't know. I mean, it's really an interesting. This show also has an interesting uh, aspect to it where it's like you're kind of like identifying with the villain. You know, we obviously have a big history of that in, um, you know, American culture. Like, you know, mm-hmm. during the, uh, the 20s, you know, people were like. You know, they loved Bonnie and Clyde and John Dillinger. People like Kurt Vonnegut once wrote in one of his books that he and his sister both cried when, like, they heard that John Dillinger was killed. I mean, he was like a folk hero, you know? Yep. And Pablo Escobar certainly qualifies as the same sort of thing, like a larger-than-life, you know, kind of figure that just, like, rose from nothing. I mean, but, I mean, I would say, I mean, he might just be the perfect person for that time and, you know, place on Earth. Yeah, you bring up two really interesting points. One, as you said, we really identify with with the villain more, at least in this opening opening episode of the show, because we spend almost all of our time with the villain. The connection that we have with the, you know, the quote unquote good guys is the narration, the narration from the DEA agent uh, over everything. And but we spend most of our time during this episode with with Pablo Escobar and the other drug dealers learning how the operation came to be, how it was built up and, and things like that, what they did to to smuggle different things in. And we, we don't spend a lot of time with the DEA agent, like I said, other than the narration. And the other the other point that I think was excellent that you brought up was a comparison to like Mark Zuckerberg or 
uh, like Jeff Bezos or, you know. Or Bill Gates is actually a really good example because he yeah. just happened to be at this one private school that had access to like a computer mainframe. And he and his friends just been like, he he spent so much time when almost nobody else would, like nobody else, like people who were using were in college and they had classes or they're professionals. They weren't like, you know, like a young kid who like could do all he wanted to in his time, which I mean, as we both know when you're like in your mid-teens and you have seem- seemingly limitless free time, like you could do, you could learn how to play an instrument in the summer. You could, you know, probably learn how to, um, you know, you could learn how to not learn, but build your body up to where you could slam dunk a basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you could do so much because you have so much free time. And Bill Gates just had all this time to, pr- so by the time you get to college, he was almost like a professional programmer. He just had so much, you know, time just because he went to like an, an exclusive private school and they just happened to have this one connection. It was just like a crazy, you know, set of events. Yeah, exactly. That's, and, as we as we learn at the beginning of the episode, this cockroach guy, uh, older uh, gentleman from, it was uh, Venezuela, right? Was it Venezuela uh, that I, came I from? I think it was Argentina, there. I'm not sure. Maybe? It was one of the neighboring countries. I, I just don't remember what. Yeah, well, it was, uh, and you know, it's the they talk about Pinochet, and I should remember which which country was Pinochet. I think. I think it was, uh, I think it was Argentina, I think, but I can't remember. But anyway, uh, he, he gets caught, you know, uh, it doing this drug trade and with a bunch of other people and Pinochet, who was not a nice guy as the, as the episode points out was big against drugs and he had them all killed. Well, cockroach, as it turned out, wasn't hit by the firing squad and was buried under bodies, played dead. And then he fled to Colombia to look for someone who was already smuggling that could smuggle this, this drug for him. <clears throat> and, you know, he, uh, he, yeah, chose... because they were just like, it seemed like they were just like general smugglers. It wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. drugs at the beginning. I mean, maybe it was like marijuana and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it, I mean, it wasn't like super, like, you know, they weren't like smuggling weapons or anything like that from what I could tell. No, it was like stolen televisions and, and uh, like radios, different kinds of electronics and, and things like that, that they were, you know, smuggling to, to sell and defense. And they did mention briefly some marijuana, but we never really saw much of uh, Escobar doing doing stuff with marijuana. But anyway, so, so Cockroach flees there. He chooses Escobar because... As it says in the show, he was just right. One was one was too one of the big smugglers was too soft. Another one was too hard, and and he was just right. And he says to him, Pablo Escobar says to him when he when he details his plan, and he says, you know, in the city in Colombia, it will sell for you know ten dollars a gram or whatever on the street. And he says, I I think you you think too small. You know, you're not thinking creatively. Right, right. And he says, you know, how much will it sell for in the United States? You know, he realizes that this is a product unavailable in the United States because the cocaine the uh, doesn't really grow there. No, I don't think it's. I think it's a. I, it, I, I think it's an altitude thing. It must be because Columbia is very high altitude. Yeah, and I believe you're correct. I think it's like it's the same thing with um with uh opium the the it, they grow it in afghanistan in the mountainous regions and in china in mountainous regions i think yeah altitude plays a role in some of those plants and i think cocaine's the same way but 
So, you know, he, he realizes that there's no supply of it in the United States. And if they start smuggling it to the United States, they'll be the only supplier for a product that literally addicts you and you right. want it more and more and more. So, you know, he has the he's the one. It's not necessarily his idea to grow and, and manufacture cocaine or to start selling cocaine, but it's his idea to take it big time. And he's a, he's a hell of a marketer is what he is. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, we see a lot of Pablo Escobar in this episode and we see a little bit of how this DE agent came up and, and sort of through his eyes, we get the change of culture from the seventies to the eighties when, when cocaine really blew up. And in the seventies, it was mostly, and you know, that 70s show or, or any of the other movies, uh, Dazed and Confused and stuff like that. I mean, you know, there's the pop culture doesn't always reflect society, but those ones definitely are good reflectors of what it was like in society in the 70s. Marijuana was, you know, late 60s was marijuana and acid. And in the 70s, it was, you know, mostly marijuana. And if you if you graduated to something higher, it was like quaaludes or mushrooms, stuff like that. But uh, mostly marijuana in the 70s and in the 80s, cocaine just exploded in the United States. Yeah, that's what they should have done with that 80s show. They just made it a much a lot darker than that 70s show. Okay, yeah, that that it might have had a chance to to survive if they had uh, if they had just made it all about uh, them wanting cocaine and trying to get cocaine. Yeah, like instead of like just like hanging around smoking weed, they're just like always had coke. <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, Glenn, Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny was uh, the lead actor in that. He could do it now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um. So, yeah, so the, that's what we kind of see through the DEA agent's eyes is the changing drug culture in the United States, basically spearheaded by Pablo Escobar. I mean, if he wasn't there, cocaine probably doesn't take off the way it does. He was the driving force behind it. Yeah, it was, It was. Uh, I mean, it's just like an interesting, like, you know, I mean, it's like you said, it's obviously setting it up and... I've re- like I said, I've read some stuff before. Like uh, Mark Bowden has a really good book called Killing Pablo, which details a lot of his rise and that sort of thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's just like a really like I mean, I've you know I've read so I, I know what happens because it really does closely follow like the actual events you know in people in the in the um, you know in actual history. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they, there's certainly going to be some dramatic licenses, but I, I if you know anything about Pablo Escobar and what he did later in life and stuff, it's going to get really crazy sometimes. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to to that. I will say I really enjoyed this this first episode. It definitely hooked me in and wanted, you know, got me wanting more. So I'm, I'm yeah. I only I only wish I uh, spoke fluent Spanish because it's uh, for those of you who don't know, the majority of the show is in subtitles. Yep. But I mean, it's just like I mean, the, the camera work is great when you know when I have a chance to look at it. and I'm not reading. I mean, it's like the beautiful country. So I mean, it's just like really amazing stuff. You're, I could see if only I could speak the language. Right, the cinematography is fantastic. I agree. There's the the lighting, the shots, the composition. There's there's even some, and they don't they do this more on TV than they used to. Obviously, we're a long way from the Desi Arnaz three camera setup, uh, like three camera sitcom setup that t- television started at, and they did that for for time basically because a TV show has a really quick turnaround. And they, you know, they need to bang those episodes out one after another. So they need a very flat, even lighting 
for a variety of situations. But obviously they don't do that as much anymore. But I, I this show stands out for the camera work and the cinematography, even among some of the, the better TV shows. I mean, I'd put it up with, with Breaking Bad as far as yeah, cinematography it's very, goes. Very good. I mean, just one episode and it's really good. Yeah. Um, something that really excites me about this show is it's only two seasons. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm, that's that's a relief. I mean, because I mean, if the quality keeps up after the first episode, and I've heard nothing but good things about the show, it's going to be great after episode after great episode, and then to end it after two seasons, that is amazing. I love that. I, I mean, obviously Netflix has the ability to do that because there's another series out now called Narcos Mexico, mm-hmm. which you know obviously is about the Mexican drug trade. Um, but yeah, that that's perfect. I mean, wow, narco do a Narcos every two years and switch. Yes, please, thank you. Yeah, that like you said, I we've talked about this before. I'm I'm a fan of shorter episodes, shorter episode counts per season and shorter number of seasons. I understand that when something's super popular, you know, people want to get their money and everything, but <clears throat> there is something to be said about having the artistic and creative courage to plan something out, say this is how much material we have. This is how much material we can make good and we can actually make good TV and doing just that and having the courage to stop when that's over and saying, you know what, I'll move on to something else. I'll come up with another good idea and we'll make another good TV show about, a, you know, a different subject. Or like you said, you know, moving to different areas of the drug trade. It would be. Yeah, they could do, they could do Narcos Florida, you know, yeah. for the opium. They could do Narcos anywhere. I mean, that's just a fascinating concept. Yeah, you know, there's. I was thinking we we talked about opium earlier, uh, like a narco's Afghanistan or something like that with the the terrorist drug trade with heroin and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be kind of that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, I would. I I the Taliban was involved. Yep, I would think there'd be some fascinating stories that they could find there that would make compelling television. So absolutely, I I love you know planning it out like this. I think this is the best way to do it. And like you said, I mean, when, when shows try to carry on too long, it, the quality really, really deteriorates. And I think, I, you know, I, everyone loves the Sopranos and I, I like the Sopranos. It's a good show, but I think the Sopranos is guilty of having saw a lot of sort of sagging episodes where there yeah, are, I, yeah, go ahead. And I feel like it becomes a little cartoonish at a certain point. Like you're killing somebody every other episode and you're like, you know, you're on for five years. So mm-hmm. what, there's like a hundred people just killed by this one mafia and there's, you know, not like every federal agent in the whole country. After- yeah, exactly. And I think Breaking Bad was... As much as I love Breaking Bad, that was, I'm, I'm glad they ended it when they did. They were almost on the verge of doing the same thing. I mean, Walter mm-hmm. White was like basically like Lex Luthor at a certain point. Yep. And they they ended... They ended when they should have, and they they reduced the amount of episodes in the last couple seasons too. And I think yeah, that was I, also I, a good like idea. I, said, I, I if it was a season longer, it would have gotten that point, but it didn't. That's like that to me is see, I, I I'm conflicted because the wire as a whole, I, I really like certain seasons of the wire better than others. It's not very coherent because they do switch around from the characters a lot, so I really couldn't call it all one show. It's a bunch of different shows with similar characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but Breaking Bad just probably is my favorite series of all time. Just from the beginning to the end, it's like perfect. You know, there's not one thing that isn't solved. I mean, all the loose ends are wrapped up. It's like, and then they kill the main character. That's the best way to end a show ever. Like, nope, no sequels. Absolutely. 
And yes, yeah, Walt's so, not popping up in The Walking Dead. Sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a crossover that would be. Oh, but yeah, the uh, I I I like that too, and I and I'm relieved to hear that it's only two seasons. Not because you know I don't want to experience as much entertainment from this show as I can, because we def- it definitely seems like we're in good hands. You know, if the pilot is to be any judge, but. Yeah, and they always become too soap opery as well. Yep. Like, if you notice that, like, the more seasons you have, it's like, well, okay, well, there's this character that was on here one episode, but people liked him. So, okay, you're you're the new computer programmer. It's desperation. In love. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because, you know, you know, people are going to get bored of characters after a certain amount of time. I mean, yep. even the best, like, movies, like, like, like earlier with Uncle Buck, I don't want to see Uncle Buck this. He's not as magical if he's in 30 episodes. Exactly. As the critics found out. As anyone with a lick of common sense would realize. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I mean, another great example was the show Fargo. Like, the first season, mm-hmm. they built it up. I mean, they had great great actors. Or in the, uh, Colin Hanks was in it. Um, Billy Bob Thornton is amazing. I mean, he's incredible in the whole first season. And then they just go, you know what? Fuck this. We're going to do an entirely different time period, different characters. You know, I mean, it's just completely different show. I mean, there's very loosely connected to the other se- season. But it's like okay, you you did something completely different, and it's and it's even better. It was just wow. That, the second season is a masterpiece. See, I love when people take creative chances like that because that's that's what we need more of, and we, we're finding that more in television because a lot of the and that's part of one of, that's one of the reasons why movies aren't nearly as good as they used to be because all the talent has gone to television because that's where the interesting things are happening because now in Hollywood, if you're not in Avengers or you're not, you know, you're not a big comic book movie or you're not some huge blockbuster action film or something like that, then you're not, you're not getting seen. You're, you're, you won't, you won't stay in the theaters. You won't get a big, um, media push or anything like that. Hollywood is all about tentpole movies, get people out to the theaters and then everything else we, you know, they still there are still really good movies being made and really creative movies being made. They just get buried on Netflix and no one ever sees them or they go to Amazon Prime or, or Hulu or one of the streaming services. Or if they do get a release, it's a limited release at, you know, some art, some small art houses uh, around the country. And, and again, no one sees them. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's just uh, and I think the fact that you can kind of make a decent amount of money in television now. I mean, like Brian Cranston, I think was making like a million dollars an episode for the last season of Breaking yep. Bad. I mean, to be paid well and to do something you're proud of, you know, you're not like uh, no offense. You're not Malcolm in the middle anymore. You know I mean? That was an okay show. I, I didn't think it was great, but I mean, I'm sure he'd much, uh, much uh, more likely to be in a show like Breaking Bad than Malcolm in the middle. Cause you know, he's an actor. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, yeah, you're right. There's more because of the proliferation of Netflix and streaming services and, and, you know, AMC taking a lot of chances and things like that. There, there is more money to be had in television, especially yeah, compared and, to movies. Unless, like I said, you're a big tentpole movie. Yeah. And Breaking Bad's still on AMC all the time. So he makes residuals as well. Mm-hmm. So it probably evens out to doing a movie for something that, you know, you'll always be known. For. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, and obviously it's definitely helped his career. He's gone on to do lots of other things. He was in that LBJ movie, uh, the one about the uh, the guy that was blackballed in Hollywood. I can't think of it, but he was nominated for an Oscar for that. But there, you know, he's he's obviously gone to do a lot of other things, 
And, you know, it's TV can be a springboard to other TV shows, to movies, to other good acting opportunities if you do well on it, like like Brian Cranston did. Yeah. But um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I have to say about this first episode of Narcos. I think we pretty well covered it. Uh, there's the, the classic, you know, cockroach is feeling, is feeling uh, disrespected because... He's not getting, basically, Escobar took over the entire operation, and he's sort of relegated to this this house, air-conditioned house. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah so, and I, he doesn't seem to be wise enough to realize that he should just be like, okay, I, whatever. Yeah, that, at, at some point, you just have to take the money and just live with it. Be like, okay, this guy, you know, I went to this guy, and in fairness to Pablo Escobar, he was the one with the idea to take it to the United States. If yeah, like the guy was like the guy who invented Coke, but Pablo Escobar was a Coca-Cola company that made everybody want it. Exactly, and you know he's if he if he had, if cockroach had, had his way, he would have been selling it for ten bucks in Colombia and yeah. and made a fraction of the money he made anyway. And he'd probably get caught because he's not Pablo Escobar. He's not a you know a genius smuggler, charismatic guy who will just do and take what he wants with you know no qualms whatsoever. Yeah. So Cockroach ends up getting killed because he ratted out Escobar to the authorities, who then wanted to renegotiate their deal because they saw how much money he was making in the United States off this cocaine. So he asks for a name from the DAS agent. And obviously it's Cockroach, and Cockroach ends up getting killed. Also, the partner of the DEA agent gets killed uh, during their drug bust for the cocaine that that um, Cockroach was selling behind Pablo Escobar's back. So Again, not a smart idea. Right. So that sort of sets up why he's going to be partnered with, you know, I, I, I believe that Pedro Pascal plays a Colum- a Colombian I'm not sure but I think he's I think he's one of the native police officers that's obviously there's a lot of corruption in the police and I'm assuming that he's a good guy not one of the not corrupted ones in the show but obviously we'll see in future episodes Yeah and I'm I'm looking forward to the series for sure Absolutely so that is our show for tonight uh everyone you can Find us on Twitter at Massive Late Fee, Facebook Massive Late Fee. You can email the show at MassiveLateFee at gmail.com. Find us on MySpace, Massive Late Fee, MySpace. You can find us on Patreon, on Bandcamp. Uh, I've been super busy, and I keep promising Mike we'll do an audio commentary on something else. We will definitely do an audio commentary on something else coming up soon. We've just been doing... Uncle (laughs) Buck. We should do Uncle Buck. We've just we've just been doing a lot of expansion at michigansportsandentertainment.com and we've been doing a lot of expansion of the podcast network and everything. So my days have been super swamped, but we will definitely get to one soon. Um Patreon, I don't I don't remember if I said that, but the the most important thing you can do is tell a friend, go on someone asks for a podcast recommendation on Twitter, Tell them that you really love Massive Late Fee or Retro or Retro Late Fee or any of the other shows that are on the podcast network that you enjoy. So that, Podcoin, yeah, ex- oh yeah, Podcoin for sure. Check out Podcoin. I love that app uh, a lot. I, I listen to most of my podcasts through Podcoin now. 
Um, and tell like tell a friend and rate and review on iTunes. That is another big important one that helps us climb up the leaderboard there and get more notice from people. So feel free to email us, send us tweets, yep. massive late fee or at massive late fee at uh, late underscore Mike maybe. Yeah, I was just about to say that at late underscore Mike. That is Mike's. You know, you can change your Twitter handle too if you want. Yeah, that seems complicated. <laughs> But yeah, late underscore Mike, check him out and send him tweets. And and Mike and I will try to live tweet something uh, coming up soon, too. We might. Are you interested in doing the NFL draft live uh, stream? What time does it start? Eight? I think something like that. Uh, I'll try, but um, usually I'm getting the kids to bed around then. Probably what I'm going to do is create a server on discord here that you guys don't need to hear any of this but we're going to do it on the air uh, i'll probably create a uh, server on discord and you can join like whenever you want basically like people can okay. people can come in and out and um you know we're just going to be talking uh, about the draft and breaking down the different players and the lions pick and i mean obviously that's the one we're interested in but uh yes. i'm going to see if i can figure out how to Set all that up. I'm really terrible with technology, but we'll figure it out. You know who I want to see? I want to see who the Browns get. How about that? <laughs> oh, but that is our show. No, the Texans. The Houston Texans. No, no, the Browns. I, I like their team now, actually. They put together oh, a pretty good team. Yeah, I want to, I, I'd like to see them do well and then get crushed in the Super Bowl. I'd like to, to see... Destroy their hopes. I'd like to see the Lions and the Browns play in the Super Bowl, but I want every other team in the NFL to make it to the Super Bowl first. <laughs> and then the Lions and the Browns play each other in the Super Bowl. That's my dream one day. And then uh, right before the coin toss, they run it and say, the NFL has been disbanded. <laughs> they went bankrupt like the AAU or whatever it was. the right. uh, Or the AAF, I think that's what it was. American Association of Football or something like that. Whatever. No, anyway, that is our show for this week. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you later. Bye. Later.